Hello and welcome to your podcast. How some small businesses rejected for PPP loans have survived the pandemic. Mark Schreiner needed help. It was spring 2020, and his coffee shop in Lincoln, Nebraska, was at risk as the COVID-19 pandemic forced small businesses like his to close their doors. So he sought assistance from the federal government's Paycheck Protection Program, which was intended to keep small businesses afloat as the virus spread and customers stayed home. All three of his applications were rejected. I tried everything, said Schreiner, who owns the coffee house in downtown Lincoln. Every time, the government basically told me, tough luck, honey. PPP loans were designed to keep workers on payroll and cushion the economic blow from the pandemic. Businesses that didn't get the aid, like Shriners, had to get creative to stay afloat through a crisis that has upended business models for entire industries. The program, which expired last May, doled out nearly 11.5 million loans worth more than $790 billion, according to the latest data from the U.S. Small Business Administration, the federal agency that guaranteed PPP loans approved by banks and other participating lenders. The SBA said it had no data on how many PPP loan applications were rejected. SBA spokeswoman Shannon Giles said the agency does not have details on PPP loan disbursements and only receives certain information from lenders. Despite being rejected for the PPP loans, the coffee house managed to keep its doors open. CNBC also spoke with the owners of three other small businesses, a video game shop in New Jersey, an herbal co-op in Wisconsin, and a spa in Colorado, that went through a similar ordeal. The owners were able to help their businesses survive by relying on other loan and grant programs, changing their business models, finding community support, and even selling personal belongings. Now, they have braced themselves as the pandemic is set to enter its third year and brings a new wave of COVID cases driven by the extremely contagious Omicron variant. We've been able to weather the storm by innovating and learning new ways to reach our customers, Schreiner said. But it was also the employees that stayed around to work and the people of our city that supported us. They were a huge part of helping us get by until now. PPP Controversy and Rejections The PPP, first passed by Congress in March 2020 as part of the $2 trillion CARES Act, offered a lifeline to many small businesses during the pandemic. But controversy has also followed the program. The public erupted in outrage after the PPP's initial $350 billion allotment ran dry in less than two weeks. Scrutiny piled up following the revelation that many large companies secured loans while thousands of small businesses fell through the cracks. Shake Shack, automotive retailer Automation, and the holding company of Ruth's Chris Steakhouse were among the 440 public companies awarded $1.39 billion in PPP loans during the first few months of the pandemic, according to Securities and Exchange Commission filings data compiled by FactSquared, a political and media data firm. Other large entities that received loans included the NBA's Los Angeles Lakers. Amid pressure, Several of the companies returned a total of $436 million in PPP loans, according to FactSquared. The SBA also issued new guidance that made it less likely for a public company with substantial market value and access to capital markets to receive aid from the program. A nationwide Federal Reserve survey of businesses 
with fewer than 500 employees found 20% of non-employer businesses received none of the PPP funding they sought. Non-employer businesses, which have no employees other than the owner, make up 81% of all small businesses in the U.S., according to the survey released in August. It also found that 4% of businesses that have at least one employee other than the owner received none of the PPP funding they sought. PPP loans have been subject to fraud, as well. The Department of Justice has led a crackdown on fraud related to COVID-19 relief programs, such as the PPP. So far, the department has prosecuted more than 150 defendants in nearly 100 criminal cases and seized over $75 million from fraudulently obtained PPP loans, it said earlier this month. In December, the U.S. Secret Service said nearly $100 billion from a variety of COVID relief programs, including PPP, had been stolen. The program's early flaws particularly frustrated small business owners such as Ashley Ordonez, who did not receive any PPP aid after she applied. I get so angry when I look back at how the government kept denying me when I had nothing close to these gigantic companies that received loans, said Ordonez, the founder and owner of the Bear Bar, which offers waxing, lash treatments and facials in Denver. She signed a four-year lease to open the Bear Bar just weeks before the World Health Organization declared the spread of COVID-19 to be a pandemic in March 2020. The crisis pushed back the spa's opening date to May of that year. It meant her business did not start operating by February. 15, 2020, an eligibility requirement for the program. Ordonez applied for PPP loans twice, but was rejected both times. She said the government basically told me I didn't suffer any loss because the spa did not have any revenue before the program's eligibility date. I was pretty much told that I knew that we were in a pandemic, so I shouldn't have opened a business, Ordonez said, adding that she had to let much of her staff go in 2020. It was a smack in the face because nobody knew in February that the business closures would last longer than two weeks. Heather Herdman also applied for PPP loans twice. She ran into an issue similar to Ordonez's because her herbal co-op, Sweet Willow Wellness, was relatively new. Herdman opened her D-Pair, Wisconsin, storefront in November 2019, three months before the February eligibility date. But Herdman said her attempts to secure PPP loans failed because her business could not demonstrate economic loss. I didn't qualify for anything because I could only write that we were open for six weeks in 2019, Herdman said. Everything on the application seemed to be based on your 2019 information, but we weren't open long enough to be able to compare my revenue from 2019 to 2020. In response to a question about the eligibility of businesses that opened in late 2019 and early 2020, Giles, the SBA spokeswoman, said the agency is administering the law as written. She said only borrowers that were operating by the February eligibility date could get first-draw PPP loans. The coffeehouse's Shriner also said the PPP's eligibility requirements barred him from receiving thousands of dollars in loans. He said it came down to one box on the PPP application that asked whether a business or any of its owners were presently involved in any bankruptcy. Shriner filed for Chapter 13 in 2018 following a divorce and was still making court-ordered debt payments, so he marked yes. His applications were rejected as a result.
Schreiner was denied due to an SBA rule published in April 2020 that explicitly prohibited businesses in bankruptcy from participating in the PPP. After battling a flurry of court cases against such companies, the SBA released new guidance a year later that made businesses with court-approved bankruptcy plans eligible for a PPP loan. This meant Schreiner, who had a court-approved Chapter 13 plan, would have had a chance to receive a loan. Schreiner heard about the new guidance and applied for a PPP loan after it was issued. But he said his local bank still said they couldn't help me. I tried and couldn't get past the bank, Schreiner said, noting that the bank processed the most loans in his city. I thought I had a shot. Other small business owners, such as Justin and Adrian Brandeo, said they did not hear back about their PPP loan applications at all. The couple applied during the first round of the program after side-scrollers, their video game shop in East Rutherford, New Jersey, was forced to close its doors from March to late June 2020. We never heard anything, so the first time was the last time, Justin Brandeo said. I know there was a second round, but at that point we already found other ways to get money to support ourselves. Separate Loan and Grant Programs Before the pandemic hit, the Brandeos spent a few thousand dollars on Yu-Gi-Oh! Dual Power Trading Cards, a new product they believed would generate enough sales to sustain their business for several months. But the cards launched on the same day that Bergen County, which includes East Rutherford, went into lockdown, leaving the couple with no way to sell them, or for side-scrollers to make any revenue at all. The timing was horrible. We spent so much money on what was supposed to be the hottest product of the season, and then everything shut down, Justin Brandeo said. More or less, we were scrounging around for cash. After hearing no word about their PPP applications, the couple took out two loans from Square Capital, which lends to small businesses that use the payment processing services of its parent company, Block, formerly known as Square. Square Capital, which separately from its own lending program, was also a PPP lender, automatically deducts a fixed percentage of a business daily card sales until its loan sum is repaid, according to its website. The Brandeos have fully repaid their first $4,000 loan and have nearly paid off a second loan of $6,500. They have put the money towards steep bills for rent, utilities and internet, according to Justin Brandeo. We had to find different ways to get money, he said. And we ended up really leaning on that loan from our payment processor. Schreiner, the owner of the coffee house, also took out two loans from Square Capital after receiving PPP rejections. Square Capital deducted roughly $200 to $300 from the cafe's card sales each day to pay off $107,000 in loans. Schreiner said he used the loan money to keep the coffee house operating on a limited basis and to pay staff during the first year of the pandemic. Other business owners such as Herdman, the owner of Sweet Willow Wellness, turned to another federal COVID relief program. While she had no luck with PPP, she was approved for a $3,000 economic injury disaster loan in April 2021 after applying twice. The EIDL program was established in March 2020 after the U.S. and its territories were declared a disaster area due to the pandemic. Under the program, the SBA approved and funded about 3.8 million low-interest emergency loans worth more than $316 billion to help businesses meet operating expenses, according to the agency's latest data.
Herdman said she put the loan toward offsetting her rents, which are the biggest expense of running Sweet Willow Wellness. Her storefront alone costs $1,700 per month, and she pays an additional $350 each month to use a commercial kitchen space. Earlier in the pandemic, Herdman also received two grants from a COVID business relief program run by a local nonprofit organization in partnership with the city of De Pere. The program provides grants up to $2,500 to eligible De Pere businesses to try to fill the gaps in federal programs like the PPP. Herdman used the first grant to pay for a month of rent, which helped to keep her head above water when customers were scarce, she said. She used the second to restock Sweet Willow Wellness inventory of herbs and teas. At that point in 2020, nobody was coming in the door, and I had to make rent, Herdman said. The grants were critical in helping us get through that first year of the pandemic. It honestly saved me. Unlike the other business owners, Ordonez did not receive any funds from separate loan programs. She said she took matters into her own hands to keep the bear bar alive and its staff on payroll. She sold her wedding ring for $12,000 and put the proceeds plus stimulus money directly into the spa. I just went into survival mode as a brand new business, Ordonez said. When asked if she'd consider applying for loans or grants again, Ordonez said, I think I'm done with that disappointment. Changing business models. State-ordered shutdowns and social distancing requirements prevented many businesses from operating like they normally would, especially during the early stages of the pandemic. This prompted some to alter their business models in an effort to reach their customer bases. A 2020 survey released by the UPS store found that 41% of businesses with fewer than 500 employees changed or pivoted their businesses during the first few months of the pandemic. About 65% said they were doing more business online, 28% responded that they were shifting to e-commerce, and 15% said they were offering curbside delivery. Sweet Willow Wellness, for instance, offered only herbal products when it first opened. But Herdman decided to jump on the delivery and curbside pickup craze that boomed when indoor dining and shopping became prohibited during the pandemic. Herdman expanded her co-op's inventory to soups and other fresh food products that could be picked up curbside or delivered through online services Grubhub and Eat Street. The expansion created a new source of revenue that supported the store until customers could shop in person, she said. The pandemic caused me to take a leap of faith to make that change to what we offered, and it sure did make a difference, Herdman said. The Brandeos also started curbside pickup early on in the pandemic. During the four months that Side Scrollers was closed in 2020, Justin Brandeo raced to create a website that would allow customers to order products online. That was the only way you could buy stuff from our shop for a while, he said. And it definitely helped in the beginning to have that new option. The couple also pivoted to holding events remotely. Before COVID-19 hit, customers could hold birthday parties or participate in video game tournaments, which were core sources of revenue for side-scrollers, according to the Brandeos. During the first year of the pandemic, the couple began to hold remote video game tournaments on the gaming platform Discord, which allows users to chat by text, audio or video. The remote tournaments allowed side-scrollers to expand its reach, gathering participants from outside of its county, state, and even the U.S. Thanks for listening your podcast.